I'm Christian Bush. And I'm Cindy Watts. Welcome to our podcast, 52. I turned 52 this year, believe it or not, and I am releasing 52 songs to celebrate. This podcast looks at the relationship between my 52 new songs and 52 of my most popular songs from my back catalog with plenty of stories and laughs along the way. Hi, Cindy Watts. Hi, Christian Bush. How are you feeling these days? Um, What does this day feel like to you? Well... My kids would say it feels like an off day because they don't have school today, which meant I got to sleep a little bit later. So I am. You're a little extra perky. I'm, yes. You're still a little extra joyful. I had time to watch a fixer upper with uh, Joanna Gaines and, and Chip Watts's face. Um, you know, her husband, they, they fix pretty houses before I came down today. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy. A fixer upper. So that's the, the TV show is called fixer upper. Oh dear God. I'm just talking. I'm look, I, it's not that I'm an HGTV newbie. Is this the Magnolia people? This is the Magnolia people. Okay. And you, you saw they're in Target now, right? Oh, like yeah. Like I walk through Target and there's Mag- Magnolia Target. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about repainting my house in all Magnolia colors and I got the Magnolia cookbook and it's fabulous. Oh my God. You then, the marketing hit you like a little, like you're a deer with a tag now in your ear. Sorry, just haul me away. Do you follow them on the internet? I do not, but maybe I should. <laughs> Because I'm in every episode, I'm like, oh, would that color look good in my bathroom? Oh, I could paint my bathroom cabinets. Okay. Okay. Uh, apropos to nothing, I have a question for you. Yes. About interior decorating. Okay. Have you ever painted in a room only one wall? Yes. You it, Does it work? If you choose the right color. Okay. I'm considering this mm-hmm. uh, in a room in my house in Atlanta, painting just one wall, a darker color than the rest of the room, mm-hmm. because I think it might look cool. Yeah. Uh, and or have you, uh, like, apparently wallpaper is cool now. It's very cool right now. But it's I thought complicated maybe that was an to hang. Op- yeah, it's absolutely an option. An option as well. But you're going to want to pay somebody to do that. You're not going to want to do that yourself. It, that's not a DIY? No. A, uh, a magnolia, so, a self magnolia. Somebody, somebody might call it a DIY. I'm going to say no. <laughs> However, you can paint a wall. And if it, if you don't like it, you can just paint over it. You can just paint over it. Except yeah. now you're doing twice the work. That's a wall. Well, yeah, well, I don't know. But you have to go to the store and you have to buy little paint samples and you have to paint different squares on the wall in the different colors and then look at it over the course of several days at different times of the day to judge the light to see how the light reacts to the wall and make sure that that is the appropriate color. Dear Lord. It's true. This is complicated. It's true. It can't be. Okay. The reason I ask today's pairing of songs is about, um, in, in my opinion, writing a, what I would call a tight song. So a song that has no, like you, like it's, it's not overwritten. It is definitely not underwritten, but it is tight. Like there's not, there's no wiggle room. There's no extra. In what you've created. Yes. There's no like, oh, the, sometimes when you make things, like when you paint a wall, mm-hmm. you might know where, like, you know, you didn't nail that corner, but it's good enough. Right. And in the scheme of things, you will forget about that and appreciate the entire wall. And not that one part of it where you're, I don't know, you had to 
fix a hole in the wall with toothpaste instead of spackle, right? Toothpaste and toothpicks. Have you done that before? Uh, I didn't even know it was a thing. Is that a thing? Did you do that? Oh, yeah, man. You, no. you didn't do a lot of apartment living as a as a broke musician like we did, did you? Well, I was a broke journalist, but you, I you still had, went to the big lots and spent the $2 on the spackle. Before there were command hooks, we had to actually put holes in the wall to hang shit up. Oh, I still do that. And then... When the landlord comes, you just find the paint that matches the paint, which hopefully they left there. Uh-huh. And then you just fill in the little empty space, the hole there with toothpaste no. and paint over it. No. Yes. Toothpaste. What I'm saying is in these songs that we're talking about today, I did not <laughs> put toothpaste in the holes and paint over it. <laughs> uh, okay. Stop. Okay, you ready for your dad jokes? Now oh, that God. Now that we've visited? Now that we've visited the giggle boxes. It's a little upright. bit like it's a little bit like a morning TV show. Hi, right. everybody. Hi. Welcome to Good Morning Germantown. Oh God. <laughs> All right, you ready? Yep. Tomorrow my son and I are getting glasses. After that, we'll see. <sighs> the toothpaste was funnier. What do you call a boat a boat full of buddy, buddies? <clears throat> what? A friendship. Oh. All right. This is this is this one get you. This is in the art world. Okay. Ready? Did you hear about the guy who dipped his testicles in glitter? Pretty nuts. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was both funny and embarrassing. You didn't expect that DIY crafting. Did, did you? not. I was thinking something about shiny balls, but instead we got a <laughs> See? pretty nuts. There you go. There we, you go. We are nothing if not entertainment. This is true. Which, by the way, that was as far away as a joke as you can get from the actual song I'm about to play you. Well planned. Uh, well, you know, sometimes things are entertaining and you're not quite sure why, but that's what they are. Um, in this uh, ongoing podcast of 52, we are in the process of disclosing all the songs on the new album before the album comes out. Right? Wow. Yes. And uh, you're st- you're still shaking your head with the toothpaste and the glitter. I really am. I'm stuck on that. Yeah. yeah. Well, just hold on. Okay. You'll be fine. I'm trying. It's okay. You started it with the Magnolia DIY. I know, but I didn't know you were going to go there. Well, see? I know. Mind you next time you bring things up. Um, and in this uh, episode... Um, the first song is obviously off 52 volume four and it is, um, called if I could be, and I wrote it, um, literally here at this, this residence, uh, upstairs at the table. And I had just introduced my friend Ellis Paul to my friend, uh, Connie Harrington. They didn't know each other. They're both incredible writers. Ellis is also uh, a very acclaimed folk artist, if not at the top of the game. Mm-hmm. right now and he and i've been friends for maybe almost 30 years um ever since the sort of the early days of billy pilgrim and we have developed a real shorthand on being able to co-write so um like for instance we had a phone call just a couple of days ago <laughs> or maybe it was just a text and he was like hey man you got three cuts on my new record i was like i think you have two on mine <laughs> like how fun is that you could just say that with your friends. Um, but it's just a constant that we've always done. And and um, he has participated in some of the Sugarland Christmas songs. 
he was he got to co-write Little Wood Guitar with me and and City of Silver Dreams and um anyway so we keep bouncing back and forth and I've always thought to, it has echoed in my head when I asked you know if I I, I asked my my friend and uh, and uh, Julie it was a publisher at the time you know what do you think about me getting my friend Ellis to come and co-write. And she said, well, you know, you can always teach um, a poet how to be commercial, but you can never teach a commercial writer how to be a poet. And I was like, wow, what an interesting piece of wisdom. Mm -hmm. And Ellis is by far um, an incredible poet. And I think our attraction to each other um, creatively has always been I love, I can hear the commercialness in his poetry mm-hmm. and he can't like every mm-hmm. time I hear him, I'm like, dude, you have no idea. Like you could win the game <laughs> with your talent, like between your voice. That's totally high and weird and by itself and your ability to write these kinds of songs with these lyrics. And I don't know how you do it. And he's always been obsessed with my phrasing. Like somehow I can f- phrase something he can't. Yeah. And I, I just joke that he's from like Maine or Boston. And that's, it. you know, his songs always have bow ties and pipes on them or something. <laughs> and mine always have t-shirts. Um, but w- whatever it is, I always thought, boy, wouldn't it be great if he was to come in and be a part of country music in the in the real way of right now commercial writing and Connie Harrington's um, somebody that Julie introduced me to is not only her best friend, but also somebody that she, you know, works with a lot as a writer and Connie and I have had a great experience of learning to write together because she enjoys that. I'm weirdly fearless and I enjoy that. She is just a freaking bloodhound on a lyric. She will not let it go. Until it's perfect. You'll get a phone call two weeks later on the song you knew was great. She'll be (laughs) like, no, it's not. I I think we ought to change this and that. And then you'll send the demo and she's like, oh my God, I love the demo. Can you change this? (laughs) And, you know, and I've I've never heard anyone that's worse at that than me. Mm -hmm. So I thought, what would happen if these two got put together? And and we heard a song in the last um, uh, volume of 52 on New Blue. The, um, it was the last song on the record. Uh, geez, it makes me forget the name of it right now, but it's the, um, the one, uh, uh, put a dent in it. Yes. We wrote it that the same day as we wrote this one. And I love the strangeness of shoving these two artisans together because I don't individually, they are like massive beasts of creativity, but together it created a thing that I didn't think it was possible to do, which is um, write a song that I would never, that I can't, I can't find the hole in it. (laughs) Right. And I'm pretty good at finding the, especially when I wrote it, I can tell you where I like, I forced the rhyme, but it, it makes enough sense there. Mm-hmm. Or man, I wish I'd have used fewer words right here to get this across. This sounds kind of busy 
Or, man, I wonder if we left the emotion hanging there. We could have gone just one step further, but that's good enough. Which in a lot of times is an okay compromise to make. You can't, you can't overdo every song or you'll kill it. Right. You know, it's like that grapes of wrath. You, you keep petting the, the small mouse and you love it so much. You squeeze it and you kill it. You're like, wow, what did I do to my pet? You know, I, I see you doing that thing with your face, but it's a, that happens in the, that particular story. Right. So, um, sometimes you can love something so much that you're creating that you turn out to, to, to make it worse off. Right. And so this song, um, started, I believe, um, I think it was Connie's idea of if I could be a feeling, what would I be? And I was like, well, that's very girly and esoteric. <laughs> like guys don't say, man, if I could be a feeling, what would I be? Oh, I'd be the feeling right after I eat some French fries, you know, like gassy. <laughs> no, but uh, you know, like whatever, right after I have a beer, like guys don't think about that. So it wasn't really top of mind, a good like answer to that. But what was interesting is Ellis immediately loved the idea of, well, if I could be a what, what would I be? And so it started, um, if I could be a car, what kind of car would you be? Oh yeah, well, I know what that is. And then it just started to bounce around into these strange places. Like if I could be a summer, what would I be? If I could be, you know, um, if I could be a guitar, what would I be? If I could be a song, what would I be? You know, it's, it was a fun moment to have these questions. And as we started to answer them, each of us, we started to realize we were writing a song. And I thought, this is so ambitious, it will never work. Hmm. And I'm kind of the arbiter of these two friends I put in a room. If you've ever asked two friends to dinner that didn't know each other. You're praying to God they get along, right? Because you know them both well enough, but you also know them well enough that there's a chance they might not. <laughs> this could be a very uncomfortable hour and we're going to need some liquor or something. Sure enough, we started the song and as it went, it, it gave me courage to say lines that I'd been holding on to for a long time. Oh, Like, um... You know, this, uh, I, I've always wanted to flip the line of, uh, I know this town like the back of my hands, right? But wouldn't it be fun to flip it? I know these hands like the back of this town. Or I know this town like the back of these hands. Like, I always love taking things that have been, you know, common thoughts in my brain or, or colloquialisms or phrases I've learned and, and play with them and see if they're, if there's anything upside down about them. Like, I love the idea of like, if this frog in my throat could quit talking or, you know, like there's all sorts of fun ways to use words to be playful that when they happen in a lyric might have new meaning. So when I threw that one out, these two charlatans of wordsmiths <laughs> nailed it. So um, as the recording went, I recorded it once. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was the day after I got home from that, that writing trip. 
And it sat like that for a very long time. And then before I turned it in, cause I knew Connie would have something to say about it. You know, I, uh, I was concerned that it was too long because country songs don't get three verses. They get two. Right. And Ellis lives in the world of folk music, which gets four verses. Right. At least. And I thought, I don't want people to get bored. What can we do? And I was sitting around with Brandon and we were, we were um, experimenting with string sections in uh, the Sugarland bigger record. And um, he was kind of getting into it. And I was like, well, why don't you try to see what you can do on a string arrangement for the back of the song? He's like, okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. And he did a bunch of stuff that I knew was not working. Like I heard it go by <laughs> and I was like, man, that's just, that's not going to go, is it? And he's like, no, 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 just hold on. I'm holding it all in my head. You're just hearing it in the wrong order. Wait till I get each pass done. And I was like, oh, you're not going to play it like you play a piano? Like all your fingers are doing. He's like, no, 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 no. I do one sound per pass, but I'm going to build it backwards. Just trust me. Just shut up and quit talking to me for a minute. And just let me do it. And by the time he got to the end of it, I was weeping on the couch. I was like, how did you do that? So pretty. You know, like, (laughs) I don't know what happened. Um, I sent it to Ellis, who then was like, oh, man, I had like a a couple of drinks after I heard this. And then I just started crying. (laughs) And uh, Connie was like, we need to change this right here and there and there but man that back of that song Christian's getting really good so I, I kind of took my hands off the wheel for a while and then when when I was picking songs for this last volume I, I heard it and one of my questions to ask myself was if it doesn't matter what the songs are about on this last volume and they only have to be the best songs that I've gotten like what are, what are the best songs that are on these on these records yet and it was in the like top three of the best songs in my heart mm-hmm. that I still had sitting in front of me that I would be a crime not to put on this record. So I resang it. Brandon redid the strings at the end. We redid a couple of different things, but everything else sits exactly as the day after we wrote it. Um, and now I want to listen to it and, um, and then see how you feel. Okay. Okay. Uh, this is um, If I Could Be. If I was a car I'd be a brown and bone Two-tone fun 78 Ford Bronco I'd ride you around Proud I'd know your hands Like the back of this tank Girl, pick any road, yeah, we'll go I was a Monday I'd get you out of work Watch you wear my shirt Love you like a three-day weekend And weekend And dessert first If I could be a feeling I'd want Just like breathing Yeah, that's a feeling I'd give anything 
I was a son I'd be the one that caught us in the thunder Running through the beach rain Kissed you under that swing Squeaking snow cone sound I could be a song I'd be out green spinning on a 33 Happy as a song could ever be With you singing along I could be a feeling I'd wanna be the one That finally found it love Comes on easy Just like breathing Yeah, that's a feeling I'd give anything If I could Sparkle silver tone, a cool one with the tremolo, and the speakers built to the back of the gate. I'd play and play for you all day and evening. If I could be a feeling, I'd want. special <laughs> it's pretty cool right that's super cool i get a little choked up just listen to it now oh yeah i i, I was like oh i'm crying look at that but I mean, you, you, so i still every i mean i just listened to that and I've, i don't know how many times i've listened to it in the past month but uh there's still stuff in there i don't even know how it happened like what um that uh, if I was a summer, that whole verse, mm-hmm. I, I don't know even how that happened, but I, n- now I can't ever unsee it in my mind. You know, like there's so much stuff is in that lyric. I, most of that was Ellis on that particular line. I remember him like getting caught in the beat train, getting and kissing you under the snow cone sign, but it's a swinging, squeaking, like you hear things, feel things, see things, yes. and smell, th- like all of it is in like nine words. Yeah. And I, I don't even know how it happened. Well, I think what's so interesting is, is that even if you've never been in that situation, in that scene, when you hear that song, you feel like you have been. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, oh. 
it's yeah it, it takes you to places you've never been like you lived there yeah i guess you're exactly right i didn't think about that and i think that was a uh, connie's like dream bronco it was a 1978 two-tone brown and bone bronco well let me tell you connie Years ago, Christian Bush, you played at the Opry, and I was standing side stage with you at the Opry, and my dad's 1978 Bronco two-tone burst into flames while I was standing beside you at the Opry, and I was showing you pictures. So, Connie Harrington... Oh, no. It's probably because you didn't have one. (laughs) Burst into flames. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah. Oh. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, there you have it. And you were the guitar. Oh, so that guitar is a real thing in my mind. Um, Do you have it? I don't, but my friend Don McAllister had one. I think it was Don's. I think it was. And uh, he was uh, like an early producer for um, and friend of ours for Billy Pilgrim. And he had that guitar. It wasn't that sparkle one. He had a, His was black, I think. But the the red sparkle one was the, always the dreamy one to me. Um, they used to sell them at Sears mm-hmm. in the 60s. And the, there's a, the, you didn't have to buy an amp because the amp was in the case. That's amazing. It was built into the case. And the reason I loved it was because it had a tremolo switch on the amp that was built into the case. And when it gave a tremolo, that was so cool. Much A pedal couldn't do it. Even an, a regular amp couldn't do it. It was because it was so poorly made or so made quickly that it only did this one thing. But it did it so well that it sounded like. It, I don't know. It sounded like maybe what I heard on the radio in the seventies or something. I don't know, but um, I, I'm I, that song just kind of freaks me out still to this day every time I hear it because it, I don't hear a fault in it. No, and you know when you do something for a living, the way I do this for a living. I can very quickly spot those little tiny flaws in the diamond. You know, like. But even the production on this, I, I like I'm still hearing some of Benji's late ads of like, he was like, Hey man, I think, can you turn that on? I just want to put one slide part right here. You know, like the music stays out of the way of the lyric and the lyric tells a story that's emotional that allows the players to start playing an emotion that is a correctly matched to the lyric. Like it's, <laughs> It's doing its thing that we spend a lifetime playing with to try to get it. And this song's doing it without us knowing it was doing it. But I, And I guess the only way I can describe it is it feels tight to me. Like I, I'm sure somebody somewhere could poke a hole in it but I can't and that's when it comes down to it I was explaining this to my son the other day he's like so he wanted to he was talking about making music and um and with one of his buddies and he was like you know I picked up some things along the way watching you dad and I was like, oh, you know, my heart like mm-hmm. tripled in size. But then I thought, oh, this is the moment I need to give him some advice that's going to be helpful. And I said, hey, if I could give you some advice that I wanted to have back then, mm-hmm. I'll give you this. Um, you'll spend a lot of time 
trying to figure out if what you're listening to is good or not. And uh, you're going to wrap yourself around a pole <laughs> trying to answer that question for yourself. Why don't you rather ask yourself if you like it or not and go listen to a bunch of music to pre-program yourself <laughs> so that the only question you have to ask is, man, do I like that? <laughs> do I like the, what the guitar is doing there? Yeah, I do like that. Okay, go ahead. Let's go to the next thing. Do I like this? Or, or, hey, man, I don't like what you're doing on the drums right there. Can we change that? Instead of using the prognostication of, man, that's not any good. Or, man, that's not going to... People at a record company are not going to think that's good. You should just abandon that idea. There's no such thing as good or bad music. There's only, do you like it? <laughs> and if you program your own computer of your brain with enough good stuff, <laughs> your, your preferences will start to be those that sound like things in your mind. And you'll stop judging. That was my advice to him. I think I said it a lot more eloquently because oh, that was a, pretty good. A, a dad can over talk to a son very quickly. <laughs> a dad's explanation is a dad's explanation. Oh my gosh. I get so many demerits, <laughs> but that song I think is really tight. And I, I, I love that I'm 52 years old and still can't tell you why, you know, it's like at the moment of creation and through its reinvention or it's brushing up, I was surprised at how tight it was just from the get-go. Yeah. You know, and that really, in my book, is a, a reflection of the writers. So if 200 years from now, nobody remembers the writers, they only remember the song, right? Um, that song will be able to deliver for you when you perform it or you record it again. Because it was built well. Well. A good house, you know? Yeah. Um, the, I, 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 I pair that with this, uh, Sugarland song off of, um, love on the inside, uh, called very last Com country song, which, uh, started similarly. It was, is, uh, Tim Owens wrote this with Jennifer and I on a bus in Oklahoma at backstage, I think is where we started it at the arena there because they allow you to park the buses inside because mm -hmm. there's so much snow there a lot. And, um, I remember us having the conversation of what was going on in country music at the time. Mm -hmm. Like, are we seeing the end of country music was a general discussion we were having on the bus because, uh, and I'm sure you have this as a journalist all the time, because it seems like the future of music is always happening while the past of music is also retiring. Well, right? yeah. Like whoever the new people that are coming to country music are always bringing in new ideas and new influences. And the people that um, are finally, you know, parking the bus at their house and finally staying home and going, Whew, man, that was a, that was a, a, a great life. Good run. You yeah. know, um, is constantly happening in country music and Sugarland. We had to speak about that a lot because a lot of times we were considered, um, knew when we started in a way that people were, were asking us how we felt about it. And we, our answer was always, um, 
I'm sure people thought that Garth Brooks was a, a an abomination to the country music they listened to. And I'm sure they thought, you know, uh, Waylon Jennings was destroying their traditional country music. Do you know what I mean? Like whoever the new guy coming along or girls coming in and they think, golly, this I'm, you know, I, I'm sure even after the Sugarland thing, I'm sure people were like, man, Florida, Georgia line, that ain't country, right? This is country. And then I'm sure somebody now is like, man, this stuff is country. What you were listening to, that Florida, Georgia line stuff, that's passe. That's the old stuff. You know, I, I'm sure there's going to be a moment. But First Florida, Georgia line is country. It, it's pretty much country music. They have their moments. I, I I know I, I'm just being an all encompassing hugging person at the moment, but my point was <laughs> on the bus and you're in the middle of it. You're, you're constantly having these conversations because people around you are. And, um, what I thought was interesting is Tim Owens having, you know, started his career writing for diamond Rio and, and, uh, you know, artists that w- were arguably a generation before me well, sure. or more yeah um was just kind of giggling at me like oh yeah well you know man it comes and goes you know like these kind of wise songwriter guys see them all all the young ones come and the old ones go but his point was um well you know there's always going to be somebody that did somebody wrong there's always going to be these different things that make up country songs. Right. And he's like, no matter how you package it, man, you know, um, there's always going to be a country song as long as there's always going to be those troubles. And, uh, no matter how you sing it. And immediately Jennifer and I were like, Hmm, wouldn't that be interesting? And we had kind of seen that one of the things that was happening around us as, um, country music was having an explosion at the time the way it did in the late 70s early 80s where it was becoming pop music mm-hmm. like it was the time that uh lady Annabellum was crossing over into pop music and it was the kind of conversation everywhere like right. is 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 country music now pop right or I, I guess it just typically does this every i don't know 10 years what do you like you know it's every so often. I mean, it's happening. It is. I don't know that it's that it's like every X amount of time, but it is very predictable in that it's just, it's cyclical. Everything is cyclical. Yeah. So uh, as we were playing around with this idea of, of the very last country song, we thought that was kind of cute, um, but also could be poignant. Um, we were kind of depending on the sort of Tim's, sort of thought that, well, the only time you're, the ease will ever go away is if all of your struggles that create country songs go away. <laughs> right. Um, and as we set it up, we set it up with a woman sitting at her table on her birthday, looking through pictures and reminiscing. And, uh, we had to do some song math or well, I guess that's what I would call it. I think there's another word. It's like the physics of the universe. Like they, it all has to add up a little bit. Uh-huh. Like, um, it, it, it talks about how old the mother is versus the woman who's the character looking mm-hmm. at the picture, how many years that 
close she is to her mom's age in the picture. And suddenly we had to start calculating how old she is. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you have to know all these things while you're writing it because you're making it up out of thin air. Right. But the movie has to have consistency. Right. <laughs> you know, and um, as we did, we started to realize how important each word of the song was. And this is what I would consider a tight song. Yeah. Because we had to take such great care as we were creating it. Um, my, uh, my, prof- my, my, my um, poetry professor at Emory when I was a creative writing major, um, a guy named Sam Faith, he, he was very insistent to remind us that poetry was 10% inspiration and 90% craft that you could sit and write your feelings all day down into a thing. But if you really wanted to be a poet, you had to spend 90% of your time making sure that you weren't just depending on inspiration to communicate because you might have all the right words, but they, you might need half as much. They might need to be line breaks in different places. You need to make sure that you are saying the most with the least, right? Which was a lesson in tightening your communication. Um, so I, I've always considered in the Sugarland world, this is one of the tighter songs we've ever written. Um, and it's kind of surprising. Uh, we also put it on the end of our, um, arguably, uh, album that starting the next record started with legitimately a rock record. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, in retrospect, it could be considered a very last country song for a minute, (laughs) (laughs) for a minute, for a minute. But, uh, here, let's, let's listen to this. And then uh, I'm real interested in, in talking about this because from a journalist perspective, you probably, oh, I'm just curious to see what you see through songs, like if you see the holes. So uh, this is Very Last Country Song from uh, Sugarland's uh, Love on the Inside. Before it was gone, if every road led back. 
back home This would be The very last country song These are all my babies Lord knows how we survived The first one was hard And the last wasn't planned What a big surprise That's him with his daddy's eyes I love the man in this one Faded, but I don't care. There are nights when I wake up and know he's beside me. I swear, sometimes I still feel him there. But if life stayed the way it was, and lovers never fell out. If memories didn't last so long If nobody did, nobody wrong If we knew what we had before it was gone If every road led back home This would be the very last country song You cannot be asking me for holes. No, no, no. Not about that song. But um, first of all, did that make sense now that I kind of explained it from that? Absolutely. And... And what's fun about that is you don't know what happened to her kids or to her husband or to any of her story, but you do. Yeah. <laughs> because of the way she speaks about what country songs depend on. Right. By saying the opposite. Right. <laughs> right. So, um, I guess what I, I was interested in, in talking about, first of all, how do you feel after hearing that? Well, I think I don't know. Maybe a little melancholy? Yeah, well I think that was the intention. Yeah. I think it's supposed to you're supposed to end up sad. Yeah. For sure. But it's mainly because you're watching someone be sad. You know, like sometimes when you watch someone cry, you cry. Oh, of course. Yeah. I think that's the, the, a song like this is supposed to be that way. You're supposed to, at the end of it, feel what she's feeling. You know, cause even the music's doing it like that Dobro's doing it. Oh yeah. It's gorgeous. It's Dan Dugmore, like making you just killing you, we killing you slowly. Um, and Jennifer has this way of ending her words 
with as much or more emotion than she started them, which I think is super cool. Like her instrument as a voice has that ability. Um, but the song itself, if it was sung by Ashley McBride or was sung by someone else, I think they'd find the same corner. Yeah, maybe. Cause I think it's baked into the song. Yeah. Um, but my curiosity is you listen to a lot of music. I know you do. And you have to every week for your job and you have for, I don't know. I mean, you're barely 25 years old. Barely. So for many years you've done that. Right. Do you find yourself noticing either uh, when you disengage from a song because it had a hole in it or at the end of which you go, well, dear Lord, that song's like near perfect. Yeah. I think about music in a lot of different ways, to be honest. It's like I I don't think it's anybody's job to tell anybody else what is good and what isn't um, at all. Because I come at music, honestly, from a completely different perspective and background than somebody else. So something I might not like might be exactly what somebody else needs. Um, I know that music is great to me or is special to me when I cannot write to it. If hmm. I can play a CD and write or a CD, if I can, if I can play music and write at the same time, then it, it, it's not doing it for me. I want something to be so captivating that I have no choice but to listen to it. And if, and if I can relegate it to background music while I write a story about another artist, it's not it. Fascinating. That's um, cool. It's a cool trick. I like that. But I think the other thing is it's like I hate it when and I'm not going to obviously name names or titles or anything like that. But we were talking about a song a few days ago and it was so out of tune. Oh, really? I mean, it's just so off key that I just checked out. It's like if you don't respect your listener enough to make this not painful to listen to, to make this not jarring to listen to, then I don't respect you enough to finish listening to your song. Ah, uh, okay. I get that. So. This is a quick reminder not to listen to the records that I made between 13 years old and 22 years old. Well, that is the next project. So. <laughs> Just kidding. It's really not the next project. Um, but, you know, if, if if you're professional and you are on a major label and you turn a song in, I think you should put forth effort to hit mostly all the right notes. Yeah. Um, you know, I like story songs. I like songs that make me feel something. I have, if you can keep my attention with a fast song, if I'm still engaged by the second verse, that's it. You're into it. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't happen much because I'm such a word person, and yeah. so many up tempo songs are about speed and melody and and how it makes They're you less about feel. Words. Yeah, yeah, more than they are. Yeah, so that's interesting. Have you had the experience of going back to a song that you thought to yourself, "God, man, I love this song," and you go back and you hear it and you go, man, that's not as good as I remember it being. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. Particularly, 
But I also think that at different times in our lives, we like songs for different reasons. Yeah. Right. So, you know, sometimes I love a song because maybe it's it's a, a mood I'm in that day and that song pulls me out of it. Or I love a song because it was playing when this particular thing happened and those feelings get attached to that song more than, wow, that was really well crafted. It was that song was the soundtrack to this. So I love it for that reason. Have you ever heard a song and, uh, like I've had this experience where my um, my my friend and and partner in Billy Pilgrim, Andrew Hira, has this incredible voice, and um, he would sing songs, and I would be like, "Man, what is that? That's awesome!" He's, "Oh, that's a Bob Dylan song." I was like, "What?" And he'd be like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "I just I guess I didn't have the patience for Bob mumbling through it, but man, when Andrew sang it." I was like, that's, I think that might be my new favorite song, (laughs) right? Because he had interpreted it in a way where I was, my mind was blown. And I think I bring all this up because, uh, last night I was playing a board game and in the background, the, um, the, the playlist that I chose to listen to was like chill coffee house covers (laughs) or something off of Spotify. And as I was listening, I knew almost every song that was coming. I was like, man, these guys have my number, but man, it's the like squarest version of this. All these people <laughs> are way past stoned. Like they are waking up from a nap and singing this Counting Crows song or, <laughs> yeah. or do, how do I know this song? Oh, this is this, you know, I just never thought it could get sleepier. Um, but what it did is it, it made me realize I could sing melodies that sleepy chill versions of the melodies were still stuck in my head. And I was, I was immediately put myself into a game of name that tune within the first four bars of a song. And I was like, this is smash mouth from the Shrek soundtrack sung by a, (laughs) you know, a stone dude with long hair. (laughs) And I was like, wow, this is crazy. But it started to give me, I think, a little bit of, because I'm constantly learning lessons from everything around me, of what's the lesson here? Wow, these songs must have some significant baked-in writing value to them that happened on the day they were written. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't happen later. Um, I think it's why... I even sort of picked this as the topic for, for today's conversation, even without knowing that's what I was doing. (laughs) Um, Not that I think you could identify either of these songs by their melody um, off the bat, but I do feel like um, there's something about them that is super mysterious to me as the maker. I could see that. That I don't understand, I I typically don't build houses this well, (laughs) where I walk in and and can't immediately find the problem that I remember having building it. And then I'm like, well, that's a magical house. I hope somebody wonderful lives in it. You know, like, it's a strange, strange feeling. Um, And immediately I would ask myself, or I do ask myself, what's it going to take to be like this every time? And the answer is that removes all of the specialness from it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't want to be this every time. I don't want to, you know. And besides, I'm I'm not sure every song that Connie and Ellis and I would ever write would be perfect like that. Or not, not every song has to be that, or even maybe needs to be that. No, but you know? that one, I, I like it's. It's creepy. I keep like, you know, that song I uh, has only my voice on it. I never put any harmonies or anything. And I thought, man, you know, it'd be the best thing in the world to go get the Indigo Girls to sing on this. And I was like, I, I was going to call Amy and Emily and say, would you do me a big favor and sing on this with me? And then I, maybe it was Andrew that said, he, he heard it the other day and he was like, man, I got to tell you, you sang the crap out of that song. And I was like, you did. I was like, oh, maybe I ought to just leave it. You know, like don't touch the thing if it's, Yep. You know, just don't touch it. But anyway, it's an interesting conversation in the, the heady intellectual game of making songs. Yes. Thank you for joining me on this. Thank you for having me. And I bet you didn't think at the beginning where there was glitter. Oh, God. And do House it yourself. paint and glitter balls. Yeah, well, just so everybody knows, I run a glitter-free household. That's what you think. No, I do. I do. It, it drives me crazy every Christmas. My kids bring in something with glitter on it and I freak out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Till next week. Bye, Christian. Bye. Hey, everybody. Christian Bush here. Cindy Watts. And we would like to thank you for joining us for another episode of 52. If you'd like to write us with questions or comments, you can contact us at 52thepodcast at gmail.com. That is the number 52. Or by leaving us a voicemail at 803-900-5252. Also, remember, the best way to help us is to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Please and thank you. You can follow me at Christian Bush on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can follow Cindy at Cindy Watts on Instagram Twitter and Facebook as well. Thank you for listening and please join us next week.